This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The information presented on this program is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult an appropriate professional for guidance about your concerns. A contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Ah, yes, it's uh, a little wet outside. Good morning. It's Monday morning. It's Deep South Dining here on MPB Think Radio. Malcolm White with Carol Palmer. Good morning, Carol. Good morning, Mel. Are you wet? Well, I had an an umbrella to get from my car into the studio this morning, so I am dry. Thank you. Yes, it's a happy rain. Yeah, it's not a a disturbing rain. It's not oppressive. It's not raining sideways, and it is not a gully washer or a frog strangler. Yeah, cats and dogs. None of the above. Raining meatballs (laughs) and spaghetti. Yes. So, speaking of eating... uh, we're going to talk about food this morning, and uh, I came in a little early this morning because I dropped Wren off at school, and I was greeted by Kevin's box of cookies, which we see every Monday morning here at uh, MPB, uh, MPB Radio and TV. Kevin Farrell, the assistant director of radio, bakes cookies uh, every Monday morning and puts them out, and uh, we've had him on to talk about them before this morning. He had a very interesting uh, cookie called Martian cookies. They are green. Did you partake on your way in? I did indeed. They they have a greenish tint like a Martian. There mm-hmm. was also a lot of orange to them, maybe like the planet Mars. Hmm, I don't know. From the butterscotch chips. But there was a secret ingredient in the cookie. And we just, did you, did you taste the no. secret ingredient? Yeah, it was zucchini. Zucchini. Oh, my gosh, that's what made it green. Partially, but it also Green-ish. gave it that moisture. And, ah. that, uh, and anyway, so it's it's got chocolate chips, nuts, no, uh, butterscotch chips. Well, and, chocolate, and chocolate, and chocolate chips. chips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really dark in that room <laughs> where we were. That, <laughs> that but anyway, it, it was a, a lot of uh, – it was a crowd pleaser this morning, uh, the uh, Martian cookie. So thanks, Kevin, and we always appreciate your – uh, creativity on Monday mornings. Uh, we also had some activity on our cooking and coping site uh, this morning or yesterday. I don't know. It was a follow-up on our conversation about air fryers, which you and I knew nothing much about when we started this conversation. Still don't know as much as we should. <laughs> but we've had people, we've had experts come and talk about air frying, and there was a thread about how to best fry okra. Yes, Using the air fryer. And yes. Can you share some of those I, comments? I can indeed. Our good friend and listener, Anita Grossman Horn, mm-hmm. actually commented about uh, about that. She says she tosses them with olive oil, cornmeal, sea salt, and cracked pepper, and air fries them on the convection roast setting. There you go. So... She said temperature 375. Yeah, someone asked what temperature, and yeah. she was quick And then quick Kristen Hemmons said she tosses okra with squash and zucchini in olive oil, doses it with a little Tony Chachere, mm-hmm. uh 
about 100 degrees for 15 minutes. 100 degrees. 400 degrees. Yeah, yeah. Gonna say, that's going that's gonna, <laughs> to be slow and slow. Well, it's going to be al dente. <laughs> al dente, Oprah. Speaking of al dente, I sent you an email about culinary terms. we got to get those and start yeah, every we week. Need, we need start to start next week and use them. Start that's with great. these culinary terms that were very interesting. Al dente well, al was dente, one. Al dente, which yeah. actually means in Italian, to the tooth. To the tooth. And it means when you bite into pasta, there's a little... Get, you know, it's not m- yeah, it's not mushy. Not mushy. You don't want mushy pasta. No. Just al dente. Just put your teeth. So in we it now we've bit. already started. That's our first culinary term that we want. Okay, to check share it off you. the list, Java. And we'll we'll go through the list if I can find the list. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, this past Saturday was a remarkable day in Mississippi at our. State Capitol, uh, we we hosted the Mississippi Book Festival to Ellen Rogers uh, Daniels and her crew. Congratulations. Fabulous fest. Uh, MPB was there. MPB Radio was doing podcasts. MPB TV was there shooting. MPB had a children's area in the, oh, in the Capitol building. Carol, you sponsored a, a panel and was involved in a panel. I sponsored a panel and was involved in a panel. We just had a big day uh, down at the old People's House, the Capitol. It is the People's House, and it was so rewarding to see people come from all over the state. All over Families, the world. Yeah, all over the world, bringing their their kids, getting books signed, books signed, going to seminars. It was a beautiful thing, Malcolm. It was, and our panels were similar in that they were both food-related. Imagine that. Uh, the, the panel I sponsored featured uh, the great cookbook writer and chef and historian Michael W. Twitty. Who is a character. Quite a character, uh, I would say. And Marcy Cohen Ferris, who also was on your panel, was the moderator of, of our panel. And so Marcy Cohen Ferris, who's been on the show many times. Yeah. And, you know, interesting thing, you know, Michael... Twitty is an African-American Jewish man, correct? which is somewhat unusual. And Marcy Cohen-Ferris is one of the preeminent scholars in Jewish food and the food ways of Jewish people in the South. That's right. And so they had much to talk about. They had I'm much to certain. talk about, yes. Um, Michael Ferris won the James Beard Award. Well, he's won two James Beard Michael Awards. Michael Twitty. Twitty. I said Smith again. You no, know, you we said talked Ferris. To, I said Ferris. Well, anyway, it's not Michael Ferris, and it's not Michael W. Smith. It is Michael W. Twitty that, that was the panelist exactly. <laughs> of record. Anyway, his new book is called Kosher Soul, and it's that combination, the marriage of the Jewish traditions and the African Atlantic traditions that Michael like, likes to talk about. And what about your session? My session was the Taste of the South session, and it featured Marcy Cohen Ferris as one of the um, panelists. Panelists. <laughs> she has a new book out called Edible North Carolina, which is phenomenal. It was maybe released the end of March mm-hmm. or April, and it's food essays from around the state of North Carolina, and they have quite a food community and are building a wonderful food system 
there. You know, one of the essays is by our good friend April McGregor. Absolutely. From Mississippi, North Carolina, and Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. But Varnum in Mississippi. Exactly. And they uh, explored the foodways, you know, the economic impact of food, you know, from the you know, people who were on subsistence mm-hmm. farming to, you know, the uh, modern food scene there. Wow. And it, it's pretty phenomenal. But the best part of my panel, not to say, Marcy, you're not the best part of the panel, the conversation between Marcy and Vishwish Bot From Oxford. From Oxford, Mississippi, and Snack Bar, whose book, I Am From Here, just came out last week. Yes. And you may have seen him featured in the New York Times, big, big page a couple of weeks ago. Garden and Gun, there is huge excitement about this book. And, Malcolm, I'm proud to say I cooked out of the book. Oh, already? Yeah, already. Well, that's and, right. You got an advanced copy or something. Well, John, my husband, did. I think he's in some first edition. He's in editions. the Lemuria uh, Club. He has been for 30-something years. Right. So I saw him reading this book and you snatched in the car. It. <laughs> we were driving to Florida to go see the Flora Butcher, David Rains, over there, and I saw John flipping through this gorgeous book, and I could hardly drive. But um, I cooked... The Moroccan chicken stew. And the reason I did that was because I almost drove off the road when, you know, we looked at the picture of it. And so that was the first thing. The Moroccan chicken stew? Moroccan chicken stew. Now I have a copy. Out of Manna from Heaven. Yes. Java just walks in and hands me a copy of I Am From Here. It is indeed Manna from Heaven. Okay, turn to page... 263, Mal. 263. All right. The page numbers are on the side. Oh, I see that. Oh, strange. But, you know, Vish has been been here for 30 years. He's from India. And the title of the book is I Am From Here. And he is now. I mean, he he is a southern chef. Okay, I'm, I'm on it now. Yeah, but, okay, turn the page and look at the picture. You know, I've been to Morocco. I know you have. So you probably have had Moroccan chicken <laughs> stew. Like, I know you have. Move on. <laughs> yes, I have had the stew, and it's delightful. But I'm a little you, – you cook this stew, and and, it, and here I am hungry. And Java, I don't know. Did you get any of the stew? No, I didn't get any oh, of the oh, stew. Oh, gosh. Oh, boy. Oh, what an oversight on my part. <laughs> but anyway, it, it kind it's of, beautiful, to me, beautiful. distills what this book is about. Because it's about Vish's life, all the different cooking experiences and places he's lived and people he knows. And it's a very approachable book Mm because, as you know, I love Asian food. I love Indian, Thai, Chinese, Vietnamese. And sometimes when I get those type of cookbooks, it's so overwhelming to me, you know, with the ingredients and not knowing the techniques and the way the recipes are written, right. that it, it's intimidating. And this book, you can feel that it's written by a southern chef. And after I looked at the picture from Moroccan stew, I was going, oh, man, that looks so complex. And it has its own seasoning that goes with it. I was going, oh, man, you know, you have to make the seasoning. But I actually had everything 
in my pantry to make the to seasoning. make it. I mean, like uh, coriander, cumin seeds, fennel seeds, English mustard, and you know, the seasoning was everything. And I did make you a little jar of seasoning, okay. which I'll get get to you now, this week. I spoke to Vish, and I'm sure you did too, about coming on the show. He, right. he said when he comes to Jackson to do his Lemuria book signing that he will come on the show and talk to us about his new book, I Am From Here. So that's very exciting. And this week I'm going to make the Trinidad Pork Pilau. Trinidad and Pork Pilau. Pilau. Okay. And, yeah, this came out of the conversation with uh, Marcy Ferris about, you know, how how a cuisine comes from so many different different places, like in the Caribbean islands, in Trinidad, the Chinese were there, the Portuguese were there, all these different cultures that brought their ingredient, uh, yeah, their seasoning to the table, and how most of our recipes borrow on our common community experience. So that's my next one. Wow, that sounds delicious. Hey, uh, I when I got to the building this morning, I picked up the new edition of Fine Tuning, which is the... Um, I don't know, Java. What do you call it? It's the schedule. It's the yeah. It's the station guide. The station guide for the well, actually the entity guide because um, it has our MPB Think Radio, but it also has this the guide for MPB TV. Um, words from our uh, uh, executive board. It's mm-hmm. it's like you know, it's kind of our magazine. Yeah, and it's still printed on paper. And, yeah, and I guess it's mailed out to people who are supporters of MPB. Yes, yes. if you are a sustaining member, you will get that in gotcha. the mail. Well, first of all, what caught my eye was there's this gorgeous photograph of okra on the front of it. The ever-present okra. okra. All roads lead, lead to, to okra. okra. So it's got this beautiful color photograph of okra on the front of it. So I opened it up, and the first story, or the featured story, uh, is about the new season of Fit to Eat. That, that launches, I think, Saturday, right? Yes, sir. This Saturday, 1 o'clock. And during this new season, and for our listeners, I think they record these shows in advance and then play them all throughout, <clears throat> throughout the year. Yes, sir. And that's called a season. But in this season, Carol, you are featured in one of the shows. I am, and being featured means that you are a sidekick to Chef Rob. There was no no cooking Involved. Maybe I got to stir the pot once, but it was a wonderful experience. You know, first of all, I did not know him, and he is such an accomplished chef and uh, entrepreneur and just a wonderful human being. And he's opened in his career 32 different restaurants all over everywhere, and he currently has, I think, three. On the he's, coast. He's, he and Robert St. John are in the, in the same school <laughs> of, yeah, of opening are. and running lots of restaurants. But I think we need a, and Jeff Good. Yeah, a family road trip down to see uh, Chef Rob and go to Salute Italian. In yes, Gulf. I've been there. Okay. I've eaten there several times. And it's uh, Rob Stinson, and he's yes. the chef on the Mississippi Public Broadcasting's television show, Fit to Eat. And it is a show about cooking, but it's mostly about cooking healthy. Yes, because a certified dietitian, Rebecca Turner, is also on there. She has a segment where, you know, kind of making, she talks about different topics, but a lot of times it's about making those healthy swaps um, about things in the kitchen, you know, that you can um, that you can cook. Yeah, yeah, he has a real talent for being able to simplify yeah, a recipe. Every single thing was approachable. 
and easy to do. And, you know, he's classically trained. But, yeah, I learned one thing. You're probably going to laugh at me, Malcolm. I, I doubt it. Yeah, I think well, well. I probably You will. know, he's been a professional chef for all these years. And the one thing he does, he says, I always keep the skillet hot. You know, I always heat the pan on the stove. Uh-huh. He may It may be on low heat for 20 minutes. But I started thinking about that. And I start a lot of recipes from a cold skillet. Mm-hmm. And as a result of doing that, I've started Well, most people a, do. <clears throat> start with a cold skillet? Yeah, because they don't know. Uh, right. Okay, so you're not... No, you're, no. Okay, no that's, judgment. That's, no, none whatsoever. I, I often cook with a cold skillet. But, mm-hmm. but if I've got time and I'm on top of things, you, you try to pre-warm it. Yeah, and, and it's, there's a big difference between you know, warm and hot. And just a little bit of heat on it can make a real difference. Yeah. So what did y'all cook? Do you remember? Gosh, Malcolm, it was a turkey. So long ago? No. Well, it was long ago, but it was a, a one-serving <coughs> turkey turkey meatloaf with ground turkey. It was, just, oh. it was wonderful. And did you let it meatloaf rest before you served yes, it? Yes, I did. It? Yes, because we did. Indeed. That's a tip that we, we share here on Deep South Dining. Let the meatloaf rest before serving. Yes, indeed. Yeah. All right. But I have, I have to, before we go, make right. one comment about okra. Oh, please do. And go, take us back to Vicious Cookbook. There is a whole chapter, 18 pages of okra recipes. He has a, his, the folk, one of the, I mean, the photograph on the cover of I Am From Here features okra, both the purple and the, the green okra. Did you see that photo on the I front? Di- I did indeed, but I mean, who has 18 pages of okra Only Vish. recipes? Yep. You know, Vish used to cook in Jackson. I did not know that. Yeah, we'll, co- we'll, we'll cover that when he comes. Okay. He, he had a brief career here in the downtown Jackson. All right. Yeah. And we have a guest coming up in just a few minutes, but before we introduce Mr. Eddie Wright, Carol, you had a dinner party over the Book Fest weekend, and uh, I wanted you to talk a little bit about that because it featured another one of our favorites that comes on this show, Chef Enrica Williams. Indeed it did, and John and I were so pleased to host lunch yesterday for some of our friends who were at the book festival. This was out at our place in Edwards, and who better to cook a literary lunch than Chef Enrica Williams? And our guests were Marcy Cohen Ferris and her husband, the great folklorist, the legend. The legend, the Grammy Award winner, yeah, Bill he, Ferris, who's documented right. the culture of southern, uh, of southern landscape for many, many years. Mm-hmm. And then our friend Margaret McMullen from, from Past Christian, yeah. who is a wonderful writer, has written a number of books. And her husband, Patrick O'Connor, who is really interesting Patrick guy. sounds like an Irishman. Yes, it does. Indeed he is. And he's been interviewed by Marshall Ramsey, but he is a documentary filmmaker who made the film Look Away, Look Away, about the controversy over the Mississippi flag. Oh. He did it over a period of five years, but it is one all sorts of awards, and you can even watch it on Apple TV. But back to Enrica. Back to the mill. Back to the mill. I, I wanted to tell you about her first course. I had said, let's don't overfeed people. You know, we're just coming from the literary conference. Her, she made Margaret Walker's cheese straws. Oh, my God. The great writer, Margaret Walker. 
And uh, Enrica was a part of a dinner honoring Margaret Walker's the anniversary of her, her 105th anniversary of her birth. Uh, of Jubilee. Uh, well, it was of, more, of, of her, birth her birth and also of, of celebrating her great book, Jubilee, which has never gone out of print. But in her archives, in her journals, she has recipes everywhere. Oh. And so they took recipes and assigned them to each person. And Enrica made her cheese straws. And that made me so happy to think about Margaret Walker. It's terrific. Making cheese straws. I, I went to the um, Alice... Um, Walker Walker session at the book fest and she talked quite a while about Margaret Walker Alexander or Margaret Walker at, at Jackson State the, you know her friendship talked about what a power she was what a revolutionary she was what a gorgeous human being she was but it's interesting that now you're yeah. talking about the cheese straws. And that, that Enrica brought that to the table, which everybody loved. And she also did something very different. She took the cheese straws and cut them with a tiny cookie cutter. It wasn't even an inch. It looked like a little little man. And huh. she said, you know, that was her interpretation just of people and sharing food and community. So it was a great way to start. But I just want to quickly tell, because I know Java loves to hear what Enrica's cooking. I w- this is really what I was waiting on. I know. And she, she didn't. <laughs> was there any macaroni and cheese? There was no macaroni the, and uh, cheese, oh, well. but she did a a peach gazpacho. Oh. And, you know, peaches, it's like the last hurrah for, for peaches. Oh. And she had a Jerry sm- Clare would say, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> she had a a smoked uh, a smoked almond little you know, crunchies on the top. Oh, and we we served them here. we served them in little teacups that were my husband John Palmer's grandmother's I mean and, and his grandmother uh you know lived in the nineteenth century and early in the twentieth century. So it was like a little lady dish. I mean it just hmm. had a lot of history like a a history to it. Made with peaches. Yeah. Instead of cucumbers, I suppose. Yes, and it Golly, was. That sounds good. It was so delicious, and and then she did. Mm. Uh, Enrica is devoted to bringing green goddess salad dressing back to the table. So <laughs> I think it's a worthy, a worthy pursuit. Why not? Yeah, green goddess was big. I would ask why 90s. not. Yeah, why not? A green goddess fauna and flora salad that was absolutely delicious, but what. I really wanted to talk about was the blackened catfish fillet, because our guests were uh, living. Uh, the Ferris is living from outside Mississippi. We decided that would be the fish we used, and it was on a bed of sun-dried tomato grits. Okay, and they were it, yeah they were kind of loose. It was not coarse, not grind. clumpy. I mean, but not grits stiff grits. I don't know, but they were stone ground okay. and they were fine. Mm. And it had a lump crab. But wait, meat. there's more. Yeah, and it had a lump <laughs> crab meat beurre blanc and blistered okra. Oh, she my brought okra favorite. to the table. Okay, one more course, right. and then we're going to barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> she did her mom's Seven Up pound cake, and yeah, uh. Seven Up pound cake. Is a throwback. Is that coming dish. back also? It sounds like it with Green Goddess. But yeah, there's so many variations. A pound cake will never go out of style. Never. Yeah, people. I'm uh, getting play my with Jesus it. sandals back out. Yeah. 
The chocolates. <laughs> but she had an aged vanilla. She's been aging these vanilla beans for years. How old were Chantilly they? Chantilly cream, cream. How old were the beans? Oh, hush. And then... She soaked blackberries in orange water. So there were just all this explosion of little flavors, and it was like a grandmother mm. dessert. Now, that's the thing about Enrica. She does not play. No. That's she the doesn't. one thing she doesn't do. She does not play. And she, you know, she thinks deeply about these yes. things. But it was it was interesting that I took Marcy Ferris and Bill back to the kitchen before, right when they got there, because I knew they'd love her. Well, Enrica nearly fell out on the floor because she is she follows Marcy. She follows Marcy on you know on Facebook, so they hit it hit it off. And then her friend Tabi Moyo, who works at the film festival, was was there. The film and office, the Mississippi if, film yeah, office. Film yeah, film office. And she knew Patrick O'Connor and his documentary Look Away. And then of course everybody knows Bill Ferris and his films and his contribution. So it just turned into uh, a to more, more than a big old lunch. Love fest. And yeah, Tavi and Rika, after they took their aprons off and joined the party, and there was much to talk about. Yeah, those are two of my favorite people, Enrica yeah. and, and Tavi, and I'm glad you were able to enjoy them because she brought that uh, black and catfish to my father's um, uh, party a while back. And yeah, it's, it's, it's good. She doesn't play. Yeah, she doesn't play, and they both had really nice things to say about you. I did not know you went to high school with Tavi Moyo. Yeah, I've been knowing her for, I guess, 20 years, as they say. <laughs> Who does Java not know? I uh, mean, the guy knows everybody. I, I, I don't know everybody. <laughs> anyway, speaking of, of friends of Java, in the studio live with us now, one of our favorites, Mr. Eddie Wright is back from Eddie Wright's Barbecue. Hello, Eddie. What's going on, everybody? Greetings and salutations. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us, how does the rest of it go? Let uh, us rejoice I'm, and be glad Thank in you, because I'm still learning the other part of it. So, hey, how's everybody doing? Your favorite barbecue. Welcome to Good Deep South Dining's here. Church, 24-hour church of Deep South Dining right here. Well, Eddie, Light what's up going those on? phone lines. Eddie Wright's in the house. Well, speaking of the phone lines, we do have one caller waiting. But first, Eddie, let's get a little uh, background on you. For those who don't know you. Uh, you, you're a you're a barbecue pit master. Yes, I am a Mississippi-born, bred, and raised barbecue pit master. I think I can say that right now with the utmost confidence. Uh, a crazy story attached to how I got here, but I am a most definitely a big representative of Mississippi Mississippi barbecue and the all smoke no sauce mafia, as I like to call them. That's right. You heard that right. All smoke, no sauce. Yes. Uh, Eddie does not use sauce. No, we don't like to disguise anything. We want you to get the he, full flavor. He says meat has its own sauce. You just have to know how to pull the secrets out. There you go. So, But the thing is, <clears throat> you've got a new item. You are now uh, packaging and selling, I suppose, marketing. Yes, we are. A barbecue seasoning, Sweet Charlene. Yes. And this is your first out-of-the-gate packaged product. Yes, it is our first packaged product that we have currently ready for retail. Uh, it is properly barcoded and put together and professionally packaged, and we're excited about it. Sweet Charlene was birthed um, from the personality and inspiration of my mother. She's a 13-year brain aneurysm survivor. Thank Aww. you to the team and staff over at UMMC for their great deeds. And uh, we kind of built the flavor profile around that and the uh, 
built it around the surviving legacy of her because she's still with us here today. It basically encompasses her personality. She's sweet on the front end when she wakes up in the morning and a little bit toward the evening she gets a little bit bold and angry. But uh. So we were able to package that profile, put it into a barbecue mom? rub. <laughs> we were able to package that profile, put it into a barbecue rub, and um, it's been phenomenal so far right now. It's on sale at Grills of Mississippi, uh, at Lampton Love on Highway 51 in Richland, and we're picking up more retailers as organic as we can right now. And speaking of Grills of Mississippi, you recently did a, a live demo with, with the Sweet Charlene there, I believe. Yes. Saturday was a very long day for me, about a 16-hour day. But it was a very uh, great time. We went down there. We introduced ourselves to all of the patrons that came through. We served them um, smoked pork belly tacos with a custom slaw that we put together and a little bit of our X uh, sauce that we're currently that's currently in development right now. We're just calling it the X. We don't have a, ter- a total name for it. Um, and we also did some shredded chicken sliders. And um, everybody came by, had a great time. People sampled it. They enjoyed what they like, what they tasted. And quite a few people bought bags of rub and we're selling it right now as a 16 ounce bag so you're getting a full pound of barbecue rub when you do purchase we're not giving you just an eight and a half ounce shaker we want you to get the whole thing and want you to use it quite a few times well you mentioned the word rub yes sir and and your packaging says seasoning what is the difference between a rub and a seasoning uh a rub and a seasoning in and you'll have this um this debate with quite a few people. In my opinion, rubs and seasonings are different, mainly because of the sodium content. Seasonings are going to be a little higher than average on sodium. That way you can kind of use just that seasoning altogether, kind of like a seasoning salt or lemon pepper, one of those things of that nature. Your rubs are going to be lower in sodium, so you can sometimes use multiples or you can add to what you want to them to increase increase the flavor profile. So they're a lot more safer to, safer to use in bulk. That's why they're called rubs versus seasoning. Now, is a rub used before to prep the meat and a seasoning afterwards or not? It depends on the cook. Um, traditionally, a lot of pit masters and cooks like to start with a base of a all-purpose, which contains salt and a lot of other elements that starts the sweating process of the meat. Mm. And then they top it with a rub or something with a lot of color and extra flavor to finish topping it off. So you've got that sweat. Once the uh, protein starts to sweat, that salt brings that moisture to the top, and you hit it with the rub or you hit it with whatever additional season do you want, and it basically completes your flavor, pro- flavor profile. Wow. Fascinating. All right. uh, Now, tell us what's going on. You you also have a food truck, right? Yes, I do. Right now, we are a fully functioning food truck here in the central Mississippi metro area. We go to pretty much every major event that we can reach, and uh, we usually do a lot of pop-ups. We put our schedule out every Monday for those who are part of the email And where can you find that schedule? You can find that schedule usually on all our social media at Eddie Wright Barbecue, and we send it out via email to everyone who subscribes to our email blast list. Mm -hmm. So if you're not on there, make sure you go to EddieWrightBBQ.com and sign up. And if we have any changes, we make any updates via our social media um, profile, which everybody really follows and gives us all the feedback we need. And they see us <laughs> like, hey, we saw your profile. You saw your social media. We just wait for you to come out this way. So we're most definitely making our rounds. Everybody, when we do get to certain areas, are very happy to see us. Um, it's, it's just such a surreal experience owning a food truck, coming from an IT background for the past 15 to 17 <laughs> years, and now being in food. It, it feels great. It feels organic to me, and I'm still having fun. So as long as I'm having fun, I'm going to keep doing you're, it. You're, you're such an expansive and friendly person. And I, from going from IT where you're looking at a box, an electronic box, to yeah. being out here with all of the people. Yes. 
It has to be a big jump. It is. It is it's a big a jump. It's a natural for you. It's a natural for me. I've been around people my whole life, uh, the youngest of three kids and the, the one with the most vibrant personality. So mm-hmm. being able to get out, talk, socialize, and entertain is just kind of one of my things. And even coming from the military, fellowshipping around food was one of the things that brought so many of us that were from different lifestyles and vast parts of the country. And food brings us all together. And one of the things I like to tell people is, like, you never see people fight over barbecue. You never do. <laughs> Negative. Negative. It just no. doesn't happen. Unless it's the last of the tips. Yeah. The and then there's a the little tips. bit of a push yeah. and shove. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you still at Trustmark Park? Every Thursday in downtown, every Friday? Every third Thursday, we do food third truck. Third Thursday. Yeah, third, third Thursday. Yeah, we okay. do food truck Thursday out there with a, an amazing group of food trucks. Uh, Jonathan Beard and Crickletta Kitchen, uh, the good guys, and a bunch of other food trucks come out, and we do that every third Thursday of the month. It's what time, Eddie? time, Starts from 11, and it goes until 2 p.m., sometimes okay. a little longer if everybody's having a good time. And um, we just kind of we, we build off that. Everybody has their per- perspective schedules, and everybody just kind of floats around that. And on Fridays and weekends, we just usually do a pop-up, sometimes at Food Depot, uh, Northside Drive, or we just um, we get neighborhood pop-ups. We have a lot of caterings. This weekend, we'll be at Jackson State University uh, helping them celebrate their new radio uh, show that they're kicking off called SIP Radio. SIP. Yep, the SIP FM, and it's going to be another great time. It's going to be a little rainy this week. Now, does that have something to do with WJJSU? They're changing their format? No, not. It's a new show. It's it's going to be an HD2 channel, the same way MPB Think Radio. And then we have uh, MPB Music Radio on our HD2 channel, um, the SIP.FM is going to be a part of WJSU, but it's going to be on the HD2 channel. I hope nothing happens to WJSU. No, the jazz I'm a, I'm a jazz still, head, and I, got, I keep it on all the time. Okay. <laughs> Carol, we were talking about barbecue and rubs and seasonings, and I think you had an observation. Yeah, well, I, pro- I probably have a question. You and I have long discussed rubs versus seasoning. I was really happy to hear Eddie talk about that. But, Eddie, for the home cook, when we take – uh, a piece of meat out of the refrigerator mm-hmm. to start working on it. Um, do you recommend bringing it to room temperature before you start your seasoning and rubbing process? Does it really matter? Um, it doesn't really matter. It's it's literally up to the cook's preference. Um, allowing um, some meats to just sit and naturally just begin to come down, come up to room temperature, they're going to naturally start to sweat. Um, the way I like to do it on a lot of other pit masters, we just use that as an advantage to as it's sweating, we're going to put flavor on top of it so that it basically combines and makes a bond during that process. During that process. Yeah. Okay. Well, obviously rubs are, you rub them in. You can, but we traditionally don't. Really? You don't rub your rubs? Cook's preference. Cook's preference whatsoever. Reason being because when you do rub, if you have a rub that is uh, higher in, um, if it has an ingredient that's more of powder, when you start to rub it, it'll start to clump up and it'll create these big balls or, you know, it'll create a lot of just flavor packets that you don't necessarily want if you just let it sit and sweat and bind to the meat naturally. Malcolm, you heard it right Eddie here. does not rub his he rub. He does do not rub. <laughs> you know, I've always thought it because it's There's a no rub. sauce, I, I and he does and not just, rub the rub. Now, you do have some people that do that. And, again, it's nothing against it. It's just chefs or cooks or pit masters preference. If I'm doing some boneless, skinless thighs, I'll throw some sweet Charlene on it, and I'll just roll it around. 
because sometimes it helps with the coverage. It depends really what protein you're using. The only thing I don't like to touch or just rub is just my ribs. Wings also majority of the time, but boneless, skinless thighs, sometimes tips. It just kind of depends on how I'm feeling when I'm in there doing what I do. Why do you not like to touch your ribs? I don't like to touch your ribs because when you let that rub bind to the meat naturally, as it starts to cook, it's going to build like a big crust. Kind of a, think about it like a, a frosting on a cake. Mm-hmm. When sometimes you put it on there fresh, it's nice as fresh, but if you just let it sit and get it a little firm, depending on how they, compa- how they compound it and make it, when you bite into it, it's just a really nice, it's a nice composition and flavor when you bite into it like that. And that's the advantage to having rubs and letting them sit and sweat and you build like a really tall profile. You bite into it. That's why you don't need sauce. All of that rub combines. Sometimes it melds down and it creates its own flavor. Okay. So let, let's take like a big piece of meat. Okay. How long do you let the rub sit on the meat before you put it on the grill? Um, I'm talking about like protein. a roast or a pork shoulder or roast or pork shoulder i would say cover it up let it sit about 30 45 minutes okay that's yeah. a good guide yeah and that that again it's going to just sit there it's going to sweat it's going to do what it naturally does and then it's going to if you put in rub on top of it during that time it's going to be a whole lot of action in there with those flavors combining <clears throat> so you use the sweet charlene sometimes before and sometimes during and sometimes after? Correct. Because of the sodium content, because mm-hmm. of the ingredients that we use and how we've compounded it, um, we've even heard it's great on French fries fresh out of the grease. Hmm. So these are the great discoveries we're finding out from people who we love and who love the rub. They'll tell us, hey, we like it like this. Do this. Try this. So because of the sodium content, you can use your traditional salt, pepper, garlic, however you like to start your base rubs, and then usually top it with that. If you don't, you can just use that as a one layer. And then because, again, because of the sodium content, you can lightly dust it over the top. It's <clears> not going to oversalt anything. The only thing it's going to do is up the boldness of it. Okay, let's talk about where people can get this because I know okay. you're just starting your retail process. Yes, ma'am. But do you offer it on your website? Yes, we do. We have an Instagram store, a Facebook store, and a TikTok store, and Ooh. a website. You can find our rub on all of those platforms. Again, social media has been my my medium for doing a lot of things that I do, and we get a lot of traction on there. So we make sure that the rub also is available across all those platforms. So no matter where you find Eddie Wright Barbecue, you can click on the Associated Marketplace, and you can find Sweet Charlene, and you can find some pretty other awesome things that we have, like some all smoke, no sauce shirts. We've got our favorite shirts, which say barbecue is better in Mississippi because we believe that, and we invite people to come down here and find out why, because like they say, everything's better in Texas except barbecue. <laughs> Now, can you buy it at Grills of Mississippi? You can buy it at Grills of Mississippi. Go down there and see Jonathan Huddleston and his team. They will most definitely walk you through, let you sample it on the dry side. And they have one of the largest uh, seasoning and rub inventories in the nation. If you go down well, there, Well, keep us posted or keep Joppa posted as you open other retail channels mm-hmm. because our audience is all over the state, Mississippi, Louisiana, even Peru. We're big in Peru. And we are most definitely loving to be hands-on with the market. So if you know somebody somewhere special that would love some Sweet Charlene on their shelves, tell us where to find them. We'll come down. We'll even come down and do a live demo. We're that hands-on with our product. We believe in it, and we love to meet new people and have conversations. All right, let's talk about rib tips. All right. Now, believe it or not, there are listeners who do not even know what a rib tip is. Let's start with 
What is it? A rib tip is what some will call commercially the brisket bone of the rib. When you buy a full slab of ribs, you have the slab, you have the ribs, and you have the brisket bone, which is the top. When you slice that brisket bone across the top and you take that out, it then becomes rib tips. We call them tips because as we cook it, we just basically slice it down in little bite-sized pieces you can hold with two fingers. It's mm-hmm. just like the ultimate finger food, kind of like meatballs are, but you have to eat them with your hands. So it's one of those get-your-hands-dirty type of dishes. They can take an amazing amount of smoke, an amazing amount of flavor, and people really love them. I sell at least 45 pounds of tips a week on the low end. Well, there's kind of been a renaissance in rib tips, people paying more attention like to Like Green Goddess dressing. Yeah, but yeah, for many years the rib tips were the byproduct. Yes. And and if you couldn't afford a rib in the grocery store mm-hmm. to barbecue, you bought rib tips. Mm-hmm. And now rib tips are being showing up on menus of fine mm-hmm. restaurants. It's a thing, Malcolm. Well, it's kind of like chicken wings. People used to sort of think of them as second-class citizens. And now, man, they're... You know, they're the main thing. Yeah, when the pandemic came around, they were most definitely They were the gone. Main thing. You couldn't even get your hands <laughs> on any chicken on. wings. So you cook the tip as a singular piece and then chop it all up? Yes. Or do you chop it up and cook it? No, we cook it as whole. We cook it in the entire brisket bone by itself. That mm-hmm. way it, we can get as much smoke rolling around as possible. We can pack it down with rub. Then what I like to do when I cook my tips, once they're to that finish line point, which is usually between 180 and 195, we'll put it in a pan, about eight ounces of water. We'll foil it over, and we'll let it just kind of sit there and braise and steam to just soften it up even more so that when we do cut it, it literally just kind of squeezes and melts in your mouth. So you let it do that braising thing as a full section of meat before the chopping. Exactly. We do not chop until we're ready to serve. Because it's part because of the you show. lose. Oh, it's part of the show. Part Tell of the us show. about the show. The show, when you come to Eddie Wright Barbecue, we love to see people, and we know that people eat with their eyes first before they eat with their tongues and hands. So when you come, we're going to put on a show for you. We're going to pull out the full slab. We're going to hold it up high. We're going to let you see it before we put it on the table and slice it down. That's going to enthuse people, the people behind you who are trying to make make them decide on what they want because we mm. believe in speedy service. Speedy service barbecue is one of those things most people don't believe exists, but it does if you do it properly. And again, with rib tips, we break out the whole brisket bone, we'll hold it up, we'll put it on the table, and we'll start to dice it down. And people love to see that chop process. That's the thing about barbecue people don't express enough. Barbecue is most definitely a showmanship of how you do what you do. Depending on where you go, some people just pull it out of a pot and just give it to you. Mm-hmm. Not me. We love the smile. We love to look at you. We love to let you see what you do and how your food's coming out and how it's going to be what it's going to be. Interesting. The barbecue show. (laughs) It's the greatest show on earth in the backyard is what I like to call it. (laughs) Talk to us about Project Midnight. That's another project Project, you have Project Midnight is a new... it, it, it touches home for me very closely. I'm sorry. It's a new endeavor I am taking on. Um... I'm a horsepower head. I've been around cars and vehicles my whole life. My, my parents were separated when I was at a young age, but this vehicle, which is a 76-77 C10, was the vehicle that my father would drive around and pick us up if the family needed extra vehicle to do things. He'd lend us the vehicle, things of that nature. And um, come to find out here recently, my father was diagnosed with prostate cancer during the pandemic. I had no idea. So he survived it, and it was great, but now he's battling Alzheimer's. And it's getting a little more severe times goes on. So one thing I wanted to do is just bring those old memories back to new 
I've always wanted a project vehicle. I've been telling him for years, I want the truck. So I just went and I took the truck from him. <laughs> it's been sitting in his backyard for 35 years, literally. <laughs> so Project Midnight is my um, it's it's my dedication to my fa- my father. As you can, I'm big on family. As you see, my rubs based behind my mother. My project truck is based behind my father, and more things will come like that. So this is a project to hopefully that we're rebuilding this truck from top to bottom, not a hundred percent, but it'll be available hopefully for hanger hangover no later than uh scarecrow in october as just a complete uh it's a restoration now, those are barbecue shows that you're talking you just no, these are car off. shows these car, are car shows. shows that are coming oh. up again I'm, I'm a horsepower hit i okay. love cars I, I thought these were barbecue no, no 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 my son loves cars and uh we're, we're, so we've shifted from rub to motor oil right and we're using project midnight to just tell a story just about family Family and, and cars and just, you know, creating family heirlooms. And this is just one of the things I want to do, dedicate now, to my now family. Now, will you use the truck for, for uh, Eddie Wright Barbecue? Yes, we will. We will be putting the label on the vehicle. And if we have enough space as we go out, we'll bring the vehicle with us so people can see. Again, I love to give people the inside process around what I do and why I do it. So when people are able to see it, just like when people come out to see me when I'm out, they're like, hey, I've been following your story. I love what you do. So if I don't meet them on uh, on the phone or anything, when I do see people in public, that's usually the first thing they say. So it, it gives even more data for them to be like, hey, man, I love the truck. Let me know what's going on with it. I've even had people like, hey, I got a motor for you. I'm like, wait a minute. Hold on. Hold on. Like, I, this, is, this is totally new to me. Don't just start throwing me stuff. But that community is just like the barbecue community. It's very open arms. It's full of love. And people just want to see awesome stuff live mm. on. That's great. What's the strangest thing you've ever cooked on the grill? Don't say armadillo. No, I won't. Say alligator. (laughs) I'm not experimenting with alligator just yet. We're working on that. I'm terrified of alligator. I don't have a, I would say, I don't have a strange thing. One of my favorite things is cabbage. You talked about that last time you were here about about grilling that cabbage. We've been experimenting with cabbage steaks. Oh, my God. If you've never sliced a a cabbage, not shredded, it just sliced it kind of like. Like a steak. Like a steak. Mm. And you just butter it up and season it up, and it is just insane. We get a lot of questions about vegetarian options from people, so we've been having to look deeper into the the the, the inventory of just elements that are out there. Because I'm a meathead, I I'm I'm sorry, I confess, but I do I don't mind playing to my other patrons. So if they need other items from me, which smoke is safe and it's great flavor. But sometimes people just want vegetables, and I'm okay with that. And creating a cabbage steak and topping it with brisket, it, it kind of pleases everybody. You got your 100% vegetable, vegan-loving people, and then you got your combination people. So I can take that cabbage steak, we smoke it over, soften it up. It's real great. If you want some wow to it, we can throw some shredded beef, some shredded chicken, or some brisket on top, and it's just a great party. <laughs> oh, boy. What about okra? <laughs> I you ever thrown any okra on the grill? I am not an okra fan. I'm sorry. Well, you better get with it. <laughs> I've, been, <laughs> I've been told. But I'm, I, I, I struggle with the sliminess of it's, it. There's it no just slime very hard on the grill. Gotta no, get with right. it. It's, it's, I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working you on can, it. They say you can cook it in an air fryer. Or certainly you can fry it and there's no slime. Right. You know, all roads lead to okra here on Deep South Dining, and uh, we're going to get Eddie right, right with the, with the okra. It's our mission. we got to get you right. It. I look forward to it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. I it's love always a joy. Here. It's always a great time. Thank you so much. Deep South Dining is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting's Think Radio. 
We are funded by generous contributions from folks like yourself, and we thank you. Our show is magnificently produced by Java Chapman. For my co-host, Carol Palmer, our guest, Eddie Wright, today, I am Malcolm White. And please join us next Monday for more Deep South Dining, heard exclusively right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.